0: Good morning, good to see you all. It's been a year since I have been in this room and it is so awesome to be here with you this morning. Um, Thank you for being here. I wanna talk about doubt this morning and best way to talk about doubt is to talk about Thomas. And so that's the story we're gonna read this morning. This is uh, coming from the book of John. And this is still the day of resurrection. If we were in church last Sunday celebrating Easter, we were celebrating the resurrection. And so we pick it up on the end of that day where John tells us that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand in the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound at my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles, miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life in the power of His name. You know, life is full of questions, but one of the most awkward silences in the world might be those few moments right after somebody says, do you have any questions? You probably love it when this happens in class, right? I got asked this question just the other day at the end of a call, where somebody was confirming an appointment with me and the caller had just given me a lot of information and then asked if I had any questions. Yes, I thought, I do have one. Can you repeat all that? (laughs) Paul wonderfully anticipated questions and sent all my answers before I could even think to ask them. Thank you. It's normal to have questions. That's why Paul anticipated them so well. But when it comes to our faith, we sometimes get the idea that it's not okay to have questions. And one of the reasons for that might be the disciple Thomas, who said, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand in the wound in his side. He needed to see Jesus for himself, and so he's known as Doubting Thomas. I think Thomas gets a bad rap, which is not to say that he does rap. I don't know that. We can't imagine Thomas might have this conversation with Jesus where Thomas says, "Um, I mean, really. Peter denied knowing you three times, but we don't call him denying Peter. And Mark, he was so scared that the soldiers came to arrest you, and he ran off without his clothes, but we don't call him naked Mark. So why do I have to be stuck with doubting Thomas? We bag on Thomas because he refused to believe that Jesus was alive just because the other disciples said he was. But once Thomas did see Jesus, he makes a great profession of faith, my Lord and my God. This is actually one of the most profound statements of faith that we find in the Gospels. And professing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior is what we do even today as we are Uh, making our professions of faith when we are baptized, when we are confirmed, received into membership and ordained, and many other times. The reality is that Thomas is not the only one who didn't believe that Jesus was alive without seeing for himself. Mary Magdalene told the disciples, I have seen the Lord, but they didn't jump to celebrating. They're hiding behind locked doors and where we started reading, they didn't believe until they saw Jesus for themselves. My husband wanted me to tell you that that's because she was a woman. We'll just leave that right there. One of the things we learned from the scene with Thomas is that we can have doubts and questions and that seeking to resolve them grows and strengthens our faith and helps us to know the inexpressible joy of experiencing God. But too often we're afraid of those doubts And we're afraid to hear other people's doubts. We kind of shut them down before we even let them get them out. Because we want our faith to be perfectly solid all the time. We want to be able to stand on solid ground. But we need to trust that God is not chased away by our questions and doubts. God's not going anywhere. And faith that never wavers or questions is faith that doesn't grow. This happens in different ways. We call it by all kinds of different names. We call it trials, testing. We sang about some of it in what um, Brett sang for us just a bit ago. Discernment is another word we use. Doubt, of course. Discouragement. Disillusionment. Wanting to give up. The Bible is full of stories going through these situations, going through challenges. We sometimes get the idea that once we accept Jesus, that's once and done, Everything will be beautiful, and that's just not how life works. Jesus told us, in this life, you will have trouble. And boy, was he right. We have trouble. And Paul tells us in Romans 5 that we will have problems, and these actually are what help us develop endurance and character and hope. And in the midst of these struggles, our temptation might be to just give up. Give up on faith, give up on whatever is we're struggling with. And I'll confess, I have wanted to give up more than once. I can remember specifically a time that I had a lot going on, and I was complaining one day at church about it. Now, I know nobody ever complains at church, but I was doing it. And uh, tongue-in-cheek there, I had recently had a promotion at work, which was good, but it meant that I was traveling, which takes a lot more time. And I'd also just been put in charge of a new big program at church which also takes a lot more time. And I was trying to be a good mom and a good wife at the same time. And so I said to our pastor, this is just too hard. And he said something that I didn't want to hear, but it has stuck with me all these years. I'm not sure he'd like that this is the one thing I remember from him, but he said, God never said it would be easy. But I wanted it to be easier. Don't we all? And a few years later, I decided I was done with church. I was only seeing the hypocrisy and judgment and none of the grace and faithfulness. Not that it wasn't there. I just wasn't seeing it. And my husband and I had read in the Bible, in the book of Acts, about the early church and decided, well, that's what we should do. In Acts, people gathered in homes and ate together and talked about the scriptures and Jesus We thought that sounded like a good plan. Now, they also gathered in synagogues, but we were ignoring that part. Both are okay, but we decided the institutional church was not for us, and so we started a home church, and that went pretty well for a few years, and we did need the healing that came from that time, honestly, but we were in a holy huddle during that time, and eventually we missed the larger community and found our way back to church, as you might have guessed, since I am now standing before you as the pastor of a church. In seminary, I learned about James Fowler's theories of spiritual development, and I really like them. Not everyone agrees with them, but I really resonated with what he talks about in his stage called an individuative reflective stage, because it's a time of questioning and discerning. And if we grew up in church, that stage might happen to us as a young adult, but uh, as we begin to question our parents' faith and find our own faith. But really, it can happen at any age, not, not age-dependent. And if my own life is any indication, it happens more than once. Anytime we encounter new situations, new challenges, new struggles, we change, we grow. And I think we don't talk about this enough, and so sometimes we think, oh, I've lost my faith, that's it, it's the end, it's over. But it's not. It's okay to have doubts. It's normal. It's normal to have doubts. We see Peter testing this when he and the disciples are in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. And they see Jesus walking toward them on the water. Peter says, Lord, if that's you, call me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat, but then Peter looks down at the water and Peter in that moment realizes that what he's doing is impossible. And so he begins to sink. And then he calls out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And Jesus lifts him up out of the water saying, why did you doubt? Well, we can pretty easily figure out why Peter doubted. He knew that humans can't walk on water. But with Jesus, he could. The Greek word that's translated there as doubt is distazo, It means to waver between two opinions. Peter was wavering between what he knew about himself and his own abilities and what he was learning about Jesus and who Jesus is. And Peter took a risk, and in the process, Peter learned more about himself and about Jesus. Now, the word that we translate doubt in the story about Thomas is not the same word. It's apisteo, not a wavering, but instead just straight-up disbelief. Thomas is incredulous, another way to translate it. It might even be that Thomas is so devastated by Jesus' death that he's afraid to have any hope in the resurrection. Maybe we can kind of relate to that. Over this past year, we probably have had some doubtful, hopeless times where it just seems like we're never going to get past whatever we're struggling with, maybe the pandemic. The dead person could be alive, Thomas was beyond belief, and not surprisingly. But once Thomas saw that Jesus was alive, then he believed. And Jesus says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Jesus is acknowledging that faith is not always easy. Not all of our doubts and questions get answered or resolved quickly. Some questions just don't have easy answers, and some questions are unanswerable, and it can be really hard to know which ones are which, but it's important that we keep on asking. Don't give up. Ask, and especially ask God, and I think that's the easiest and sometimes the hardest thing to do, but it's the most important. It doesn't have to be anything formal. Sometimes when I don't know what to ask, I really just say things like, what the heck, God? (laughs) Actually, my journals are full of questions like this. (laughs) Talking to friends helps, talking to pastors and mentors and teachers. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, I ask Professor Google. And one of the things I really love about the Internet is that I have learned that a lot of people are asking the very same questions that I am. Now, some resources are more trustworthy than others. Uh, We know that. There's one that we can trust, even if we don't always understand it, and that's the Bible. And so we need to keep on. We need to read the Bible, and we need to keep on reading the Bible. John says at the end of our reading for today, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. The reality is that many people who profess to be Christians have never read the Bible. The first time I read the Bible all the way through, and not just a bit here or there, was not until I was in my 40s. At that point I had met God in a deeper way and I wanted to know more, and the best way to know God is to read God's word, and so I did. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us. Many of us have memorized that verse, and I really believe that is true, but it sure can be challenging sometimes to figure out why some of it is there. I can remember one of the first times that I was reading Exodus. It has several chapters of detailed descriptions about the specifications for building the tabernacle and then multiple chapters of equally detailed descriptions of the tabernacle being built, almost exactly the same as what's in those previous chapters. So much detail and so much redundancy. And I said, hey, God, why is this here? And God said, nothing. God said absolutely nothing. But about a week later, I was driving to work, listening to a sermon on the radio, and it was rush hour, so the traffic was thick, but this was Los Angeles, so I was used to that. But then the traffic came to a complete stop, and it stayed stopped. There was an accident. They were shutting down the freeway. Again, not terribly unusual for Los Angeles, but still, hopefully it doesn't happen too often. And I knew that there was nothing I could do about it, no way to get out of it. I just had to sit there. And so I just kept on listening to the radio, only now it was a program that I didn't usually get to hear because normally I was already at work. And I don't remember who it was that was speaking. It was a lady uh, I had not heard before, but she was talking about, can you guess, the specifications for the building of the tabernacle. God shows up in amazing ways sometimes. I have a theory. It might be a crazy theory, but here's my theory. If Adam and Eve had had the Bible in the garden, they might not have eaten the fruit from the forbidden tree. The snake tempts them by asking Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, Eve does a pretty good job of repeating back what Adam heard God say. But the snake is able to cast reasonable doubt on her understanding. But if they had it in writing, maybe they could have been more certain about what exactly God said. Well, thankfully, we have the scriptures, and so we need to keep reading them and rereading them and discussing them and keep on asking. Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. This is kind of my ongoing hashtag on Facebook these days, keep on keeping on, don't give up. Life keeps changing, we keep changing and we need to keep going back to God, back to the Bible, back to our discussion groups and other resources to help us see and understand what God is doing in those new situations. They're going to happen throughout life. And over time, I think we do get better at asking questions. You know, I was an English major in college. I was pretty sure that I was on the right path for me. That was my favorite subject, right place to be. And then when I took my first literature class, I was so lost. And I began to question whether I maybe had chosen the wrong major. And that led to questioning whether I should even be in college at all and I dropped out. Now looking back, I can see that I had gotten ahead of myself. I wasn't ready for that class yet. I had taken an upper level English class before I'd had the lower level ones that would have prepared me for that. And it didn't hurt that I would learn, live some life in the time in between. And when I did finally take more English classes, they made a lot more sense. And faith can be kind of like this too. Some things will take time to understand sometimes even years to understand there are some questions that have taken me years and years and years to get square with God on but God is infinitely patient with us he doesn't give up on us and we need to not give up on him we need to be patient with God and with ourselves and keep on asking and not lose track of the point of it all and Jesus sums that up for us really nicely in when he tells us that the commandments in the Bible can all be summed up, in two, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And we can and do spend a lot of time discussing about exactly how to put those into practice, and as we read the Bible, we find a lot of practical application. For me, it boils down to being able to see, to see my way forward, and most importantly, to see Jesus, and all the ways that we learn to see him. I think the book of Job is a fabulous example of this. Job experiences great tragedy and suffering, and his friends come to help him grieve, and they sit with him in silence for seven days. They don't talk. It's a practice called sitting Shiva, because Shiva means seven. The friends don't talk until Job talks. But then when they do start talking, They have all sorts of questions about why this is happening to Job. They do a lot of speculating. And then God shows up, and God starts asking them some questions, and God doesn't answer really any of their questions. But once God has revealed himself, it doesn't seem to matter anymore. Sometimes that's what's really at the core of our questioning. We need to see God. And know that even when life is hard, even when the world's evil is monstrous, God's promises are still being kept. God's promises are still kept. Jesus is still interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is still working in our lives. We sang about that just a bit ago. And that brings me back to Thomas. Thomas is not willing to settle for someone else's Revelation. Now, sharing our revelation certainly does help when someone's struggling, but ultimately we need to find faith for ourselves. Thomas has seen the grim reality of death, and he will not believe something so tremendous as Jesus being raised from the dead unless he can see for himself that this is not a ghost, not a hallucination, not an imposter, but Jesus himself bearing the wounds that were inflicted on the cross. Sometimes we need that clear revelation. And I want to add that when we get that, and we do get that at times, take note of it, write it down, because sometime later on you're going to need to refer back to that and remind yourself that you have seen and you do know. I still have in the paper that I wrote down, why I decided to go down this path to become a pastor. And every once in a while, I have to pull it out again and say, all right, why am I doing this? How did I get here? And we all need that in different ways. When Jesus appears, he has heard Thomas's request, even though he wasn't in the room when Thomas said it. And he tells Thomas to do exactly what Thomas had asked to do. Put your finger in the wounds, put your hand in my side. Jesus' hands and feet were still displaying the wounds from where he'd been nailed to the cross. Jesus' side was still open where the soldier had pierced him with the sword to see if he was dead. Jesus was dead, but now he is alive because God raised him from the dead, freeing us all from the power of sin and death once and for all. And you know, I don't know how many times I say that in sermons, in classes, and teaching, but it still feels wonderful to say it out loud to you. Jesus is alive. Our scripture reading doesn't tell us whether Thomas actually did touch the wounds. And I wonder if maybe Thomas said, Ew, never mind, I'm good. We do know that Thomas believed and professed his faith saying, my Lord and my God. We're going to have questions and we're going to have doubts. But God says, if we will seek him with all our hearts, we will find him. So let's keep our eyes open for all the ways that God is still showing us that he's still here. Let's pray. Loving God, for some of us, Believing is easy today, but for some of us, we're tired and weak and worn, and believing is hard, and we need to see you. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. Help us to be patient with ourselves and one another. Help us to see you, to see Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.